Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. Fall for me is fine. My, my brother, that's his favorite. I don't know, do you guys love fall? Is that like your favorite? Really? Oh my... Yeah, everybody leaves, and I like it. I, I don't hate it. I like it. I mean, for me, summer was just like it. But the thing that I absolutely love about fall um, are the fairs. I, I grew up, you know, Monroe, and so we'd always go to the fair. And as a kid, they used to have this time where you could go for free, so it was like at 9 at night or something. So, of course, we'd all gear up, and 9, we'd all go for free every day. Um, but my family had this tradition at Puyallup Fair. Do you guys, have you ever gone to Puyallup? Do the Puyallup. Um, we'd go down there, and it started way back when my grandpa was a little kid. So my grandpa and their family go. Then he brought his kids, and then us, and then my kids have gone. And it's like this huge tradition that you go. <laughs> it's, it's like not an option. You go. If you can, you go to the fair. And I love that about traditions. You know, it kind of ties you to your family, kind of just brings comfort. It's soothing. You know, you kind of don't have to think about it. It's just like auto rewind. You, you don't question. It's like, well, of course we're going, right? It's one less thing you have to worry about or think about. Um, I know we have um, traditions in our family like that, but I know there are spiritual things that we take in as traditions as well, don't we? Um, my dad, one of the things that he used to do, um, he just passed away a couple months ago. And you know how you just reminisce and think about all the things that you loved about that person. Well, my favorite was bedtime because he would read to us and C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, you know, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and all of them. Guys, we read through them so many times, they're in shreds. We still have them, but I don't think we could even read them anymore. Um, We'd have our devotions, we would pray, and we'd read through. And um, it was just such a tender time that uh, we got to connect with each other and, um, you know, with God and hear each other. I love traditions. The one thing that I think kind of hurts my heart a little bit is that traditions aren't always that super happy, pleasant thing, you know? Sometimes they actually have a little negativity to them. I know some people have these huge traditions, and there are others that don't have any, and that just feels bad. You're like on the outside. There's no room for you in that other person's tradition sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, Traditions can sometimes just have that side that, Um, We want to protect that tradition more than anything. Like, we hold those so dear and so tight and close. There's no room for change in them. Um, I've seen this in our Christian traditions. You know, we go on autopilot, even reading scripture. I don't know if you do. I've seen it for myself where I'm in the scripture and I'm reading, and I've read it a million times, something just really familiar to you, maybe um, the Psalms or something, and you're just reading. But, but we forget it's alive. We, we forget that the Holy Spirit wants to breathe something brand new into that moment. But because it's a tradition, we're just kind of on repeat. You know what I mean? We just forget that live part of it. Um, it, can take, it can take away uh, what it was really meant for. It can hide things. If we have our sights like this because this is our tradition, There's no room for anybody at the table. There's no room for any thoughts at the table. This is how we do it. 
This is our tradition. And I think when we have this view, like nobody can touch it. It's like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you change Puyallup Fair? How dare you, <laughs> you know? It, it, it bleeds into our relationship with Jesus, though, and traditions that we have where we go, this is my value, and, and we kind of put it up there higher than it should be even, that nobody can touch it. It can't be challenged. But the thing that I love about God is God doesn't care. God challenges our traditions all the time. And I'm not saying they're evil or wrong, but I'm just saying that sometimes we're like this and God's going, I'd love you to be like this. So when I say hidden, there are things that maybe we don't understand, so we just don't go there. Or things that we don't like, they don't line up. We don't want to go there. Things are hidden, but that doesn't mean they're invisible. God wants to bring what is hidden to the forefront and make it visible, but make them visible too, because people are also hidden. We read in the scripture, and, and that's one of the reasons why I love Samson's mom. I'll talk about her in a minute too. Um, great heroes, great people that we just kind of slide on by because they're just not in our repertoire. We just, they're not in our usual. But first person, if I could, um, I, I love this woman that I want to highlight right now. Uh, we know about Abram and Sarai, Abraham, Sarah, later. Uh, we know about them, um, just amazing, amazing people. But um, I don't know that we highlight Hagar very much. You know, she's kind of seen as one of the bad people a lot of times and like a mistake or somebody that we really shouldn't be looking at. But if we could, I want to look at um, her story. Just a couple verses we'll, we'll capsulate in Genesis. Um, Genesis 16, 11 and 13 says, The angel of the Lord also said to her, You're now pregnant, and you'll give birth to a son. You'll name him Ishmael, for the Lord's heard your misery. If we could pause there just for a minute. Um, she is grieving and she's in pain. She's been abused. She's a slave. So here's a woman that has no power over her life. She has no say in what happens to her. She has no authority. She is only to do what someone else tells her to do, and that is it. So here is a woman who has been abused and treated poorly by two wonderful people, Abram and Sarai. They just didn't do real well with this poor woman. So here's a slave who has been treated very poorly, and God says, I see you. I see you. You're going to have a son. His name's Ishmael. And do you know what Ishmael means? It's actually beautiful. It means God sees. I see you. I see you. You don't have a son. I'm going to give that to you. He even gives her a promise and says, your son is going to have so many children. You are going to have so many coming after him. You can't count them like the stars in the sky. And I thought that was reserved like just for Abraham. He says it to her. He's looking at her and making promises and saying, I know who you are. I see you. And the next verse we drop down to, she looks back at him. I'll just read it. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You're the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. He had said, I hear you. Actually, sorry, let me correct. Ishmael means I hear you. She said, he said, I, I hear you. I hear your pain. I hear everything that you're bringing to me. I hear you. Can we show that picture real quick? Okay, 
This room, I wanted to show you because of this. When I hear somebody, I don't have to see them. I, I can hear around corners, right? So like this room, I don't know if you guys ever play hide-and-go-seek. We actually play hide-and-go-seek as adults. It's super fun. Um, we do it with a dog. Have you ever done that? We're like, we go hiding, and we're like, Max, come find me. And we're like, like this, you know, in the corner, and he's running all over trying to find us. Sound travels around corners, it, everywhere. It kind of can be elusive, but you can hear, right? There's a difference with sight. I cannot see around those corners. I cannot. I can hear around corners. I can't see. So when God says, hey, Hagar, I hear you, she goes, you not only hear me, you see me. You are before my face. We are that close and that intimate. It's deeper than that. You actually see who I am. I want to bring that to the forefront. I think sometimes we forget these people that God has reached out to and said, no, I see you. We sometimes have like this cloak of like invincibility around our traditions. You know, don't touch those. Um, but God does. I think sometimes because they aren't built, we think they're built on truth. They could be built on something very good, but then they take a turn that's maybe not as good. Um, Lauren Cunningham, I don't know if you've heard of Youth with a Mission. <laughs> yeah, YWAM. He um, passed away this week, and my heart was broken. He's just one of the heroes of the faith. And um, I, yeah, he has just done so much to spread the gospel all over the world with um, people that others maybe haven't, like youth. He, he saw that God wanted to use youth to spread the word. This is the quote that he said that I absolutely cling to. He said, you can have a logical sounding argument, something that sounds super smart, super good, but if it's based on a false premise, if it's based on something that's not true, then it's not true. And I think sometimes I've built up thoughts, and they sound good, and because it's part of my cultural upbringing or my traditions, I cling to them. God wants to take those and go, you know what? It's built on a false premise. Maybe, maybe let's check that. Mark Twain said it this way, it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble, it's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Sometimes God needs to challenge our traditions because he just can't be contained in the box. So here's what I want to hit. Um, there are a couple hidden things. There, are, Guys, the list of hidden <laughs> that I was going through, we'd be here, you know, into next week, and you'd be like, are we done yet? Can, can I please go home? <laughs> um, I'm going to grab a couple if I could. So firstborns. We have a long-standing tradition with firstborns that um, they get the largest inheritance, right? They, um, they get the biggest blessing. We see it in the Bible, generally male, you know, it's all of that. But think of all the people that God used that weren't firstborns. You know, the first one that comes to my mind is David, right, the king. He was way down the list. He was the youngest, and yet God said, I'm, I want you. You're the one that I'm going to have that's going to lead. But I got a couple more for you. Jemima, Keziah, Karen, Hapuk. Nothing? <laughs> um, those are Job's three daughters. Job's three daughters are named. 
at the very end, remember, he's lost absolutely everything and God redeems and he has sons and daughters and, and property, everything is brought back to him and he's blessed. Seven sons, do you know their names? If you don't, it's a trick question. You can't because they're not named. But his three daughters are. God took the time to name the three daughters. I was feeling super, super unseen. I had prayed some prayers and the answer didn't come and it was extremely painful. Um, and I was going, God, I, I don't feel seen or loved. And um, I don't even know if my disappointment can, can be carried by your shoulders. It's so deep. And it was just a spiritual trauma that I had. And I went, you know what? I'm going to Job. Because what I kept saying through this whole ordeal was, and yet, you know, because Job said that. He goes, though he kill me, though, though he kill me, I'm going to serve him. And that's what I clung to. So I went to the end of Job, and I'm reading about the redemption part of it, and I had forgotten that God made a point of highlighting these women that got to be part of the redemption story. And it's like he was speaking right to my heart and saying, Don, I, I see you. I see you. I made it a point here to highlight these three women because in that culture, women were not real important. And he said, they are they are important, and you're important. I see you. You know, in leadership, we think of um, the biggest, strongest, and yet think of all the Bible characters that we know of that, I hate saying characters, they, they were actual people. Think of all the people in the Bible that God raised up, like Moses, right? He used Moses, and Moses was like, I can't even talk, you know? Scholars say he probably stuttered. He just was super awkward, and yet God said, I'm going to take you. I, I want you to go talk to the king. He uses people and flips our traditions upside down. Okay, so here are the hidden ones. Are you ready in the New Testament? Luke um, talks about six churches that met in homes. This is in Acts 17. They were, um, the church homes were... Um, what we would call like a church today, right? They met in homes. They didn't meet in the temple. So they met in homes. But when you were leading these church homes, it, it was a little different than our culture. It's not like just a pastor coming and talking to you. Um, they were responsible for your behavior. So if you came in and you were disruptive and the police got called or whatever and you got carted off to jail, that was on you. And you were actually responsible to bail them out. I mean, like, there were legal ramifications. There were all these things, and you were responsible for bringing the word. So, so it was a big deal. So there were six churches where they were named, and the leaders of these churches, three of them were single women. Doesn't that just kind of throw you? Three were single women. Two of them were married women, and out of those six, one was a guy. How have I not seen that before? I mean, that just, it threw everything that I thought I knew upside down. The other one in Romans 16, um, Paul lists 26 honored leaders, 26 by name, goes through and names all these people that he's honoring for their leadership, for their sacrifice to the Lord. Ten are women. That's, that's almost half. I'm not super good with math, but that's almost half are women. 
Now, I, I'm not trying to highlight these people and, and come up here and go, feminism, yay! I, I want to make that really clear, because I think um, feminism has a good heart. It's, it's trying to say that there should be equality, but for me, that's the world's way of kind of trying to bring women up, but it leaves a lot of room for pain and hurt and anger and um, just ugly. Um, but Jesus has the alternate route. And he says, I, we're supposed to be unified. The whole point is e equality under Christ, right? Where it's not one over the other. We're not trying to be vying for who gets to be the leader. It's who gets to be the servant, right? So when we're bringing people out of hiding, and I highlight people like this, it is for that cause. It is, it is to say, God has everybody in his sights. God wants to use everybody in doing what he's called us to do. So it, it, is a, it is a relationship between us and God, but it's with us and each other too. No one gets hidden. No one gets put on the sidelines. We all get to participate. Um, if we could have um, <laughs> a moment where I'm going to say something and it will probably make you feel something. It's going to make you feel a certain way. So um, if we could still be friends. So, so what I'm going to say I know can be highly charged. So I'm going to just pause for a moment and ask you if we could still be friends. And what I want to say, maybe you could bring this to the Lord in your quiet time and pray about it too. Because I'm not here to like poke at you. I don't want to poke at anybody, poke at your heart. I am trying to poke at tradition a little bit here because I think that's okay to do. Um, here's what I'm going to say. I've prefaced it. Now I'm going to say it. Um, when we say head of the house, that isn't actually in the Bible. So when we talk marriage, we are talking equal. From the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, it was so that equally they could share in what God had called them to do. Are we still friends? <laughs> okay, good. Um, so uh, this is where Judges 13 comes in with um, Samson's mom. It throws everything on its head, and it's Old Testament, and I think that's why it just makes me laugh really hard. Um, so if I could tell you, she's out in the field, and she's, um, she's working hard, and she doesn't know it's an angel of the Lord. Angel come and says, you haven't been able to have a child you're going to have a child. You're going to name him Samson. Um, but what God is asking you to do is that you're not to have any wine, anything that comes from the vine, like no grapes, nothing. There's a whole list. You're to be set aside a Nazarite so that this child who is going to become a judge will be a Nazarite from birth. So lays it all out, gives her the directions, and she goes, cool, 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 and runs to her husband and says, you won't believe what just happened. And he's running out there, and he's gone. He's like, okay, well, I'll take it to the Lord. Talks to God and says, God, thank you so much, um, but we didn't hear everything we need to hear. Can you please send him back? God hears him because he's a godly man. Sends the angel back. Angel goes to her again and gives her all the instructions. Says, I'm here. She's like, okay, hang on goes and gets her husband, and he comes out. So now twice 
He's come just to her. So her husband, who is godly, comes out and says, hi, okay, are you the guy? And he goes, I am. And he goes, okay, so I need some more. Um, how are we supposed to raise him? What are we supposed to do? Um, you know what he says? He goes, okay, so she's not to have any alcohol or any grapes or anything and lays it all out. He tells him exactly what he already told her. And I'm not saying that to, you know, make fun of her husband because he's godly. It says he's a godly man. But the point is this. The angel said, I, I told her, and, and, and this is what's supposed to happen, so make sure this happens. He's not the lead on this. It, it, it shocked me when I read that. He wasn't the lead. He clearly was um, not being made fun of. There's nothing negative there whatsoever. But God's saying, I am choosing to give instruction to her. This is, this is her. And you get to be with her <laughs> as her helper. Doesn't that just kind of, does that throw you guys a little bit? That kind of blew it out of the water for me. Go, read it. <laughs> read the whole story because it's really amazing. But um, God doesn't always fit our traditions. Deborah, we always see her as a leader and a judge, who she was. There was nothing negative ever said about Deborah. She was married. God didn't pick her husband. He picked her. So I am only saying there are things that maybe we need to talk about. Maybe there are some things that kind of shake us up inside and we don't feel comfortable about. Let's, let's go there. Let's be uncomfortable together and maybe look at some of these traditions and go, maybe God's trying to say something new and fresh to us. There is no division. There's nothing that God has but unity in store for us. That is his, that is his desire. When we see the parables, you know, I think we all have our favorite parables. Um, there's... There's a kingdom of God parable, you know, the, the mustard seed. Kingdom of God's like a mustard seed, right? And it grows big. The next verse, can, can we have that up? It's, it's um, not a long one. It's Luke 13, 20. And this is it. It says, again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. How many of you guys have ever made bread? Anybody, you've made bread? A few of you. It's hard, yeah, it's hard work, isn't it? Okay, so for you that haven't, you take yeast, not a lot, you put it in bread, you have to work it all the way through, all of it, or it doesn't work right, okay? And you don't just go like this and then put it aside. Like, you're in there, and you're pushing, and you're kneading, and, and stuff, and pushing. It sits, it rests, it rises. You go at it again. It's like this big, long process. Yeah, I love those hands. So, so it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work. Here's what I love about this. The kingdom of God is like yeast that she's working into 60 pounds. I don't even think I have a table big enough for 60 pounds. And she can't just go, well, I'll work some of it now and some of it. No, if she's working the whole thing, you don't have the choice. 
You do all of it together. She has to be strong. She has to work that whole thing. She has to endure and keep going. It doesn't say a team of women. It says a woman. So she's in there. I can't even imagine what those arms look like. She's got this big, huge thing of dough and bakes into bread. You can't eat it all. It goes out to everybody, right? That's the beauty. It is the kingdom of God that has been entrusted into a woman's care. She is taking the word of God, and she isn't keeping it to herself. She's been entrusted with it, and she's sharing it. I think it's absolutely beautiful. It really, um, it really ministered to me to read that, because I think sometimes in the culture that I grew up in, I didn't grow up foursquare. The culture that I was a part of, it, it wasn't just odd that a woman would speak. Um, we wouldn't say preach, because that was really taboo. You'd, you would say teach. I could teach um, certain, certain circumstances. But um, yeah, you don't have, that's weird, right? And, and like ungodly, like it's unscriptural. And um, I don't want to say that to, you know, be down on some other people that may think that way. But for me, when I read the scripture and I saw through all of this that God doesn't want women hidden either, that we get to be on the same team, we all get to participate together. It was so freeing. I felt validated. I really did, and, and I want that for you. But it's not just for the women, because when Adam was created, God went, it's, it is so good that he, well, he's good, but when she was created, it was very good. They needed each other. But here's my point. When he was created, God wasn't done. God created woman, and it wasn't just so he could have a slave. It, it was because the fullness of the Godhead to be brought to the world needs man and woman. The imago Dei, the image of God, is in men, and it's in women. We all get to share that together, that he has invested in each one of us to be shared. The kingdom of God to be shared with the world. We don't have to be embarrassed or sad to be women. We can learn from men and men can learn from us. It is a united front. Can I share with you another scripture that I love about this? Um, God brought this forward that, um, you know, there's, there's no division, no political party that stands above another, no social standing, economics, gender, you know, race, age, any of it. Because in Galatians 3.28, he says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male, female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. He levels the playing field. We are all one. No one gets to be at the top of the pillar, and we're all down below. Acts 2.4 says, all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All. Acts 2.17.18, and I know you guys know this well. Um, this is at the same time, but he's quoting Joel from the Old Testament. And this is what he says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. It's not just 
that we all get to be on the same team together, we have jobs to do. Prophesying isn't something that you do in your prayer closet. It's actually spoken out to people. And he says, sons and daughters, you both will prophesy. The Holy Spirit is enabling everyone. And here's the thing. If we think that some people can be hidden, it can actually be something that we cling to, right? Like sometimes it doesn't feel bad to be hidden because nothing's required of you. If, if you can hide and no one sees you, nothing's required. But God does see you, and he's saying, I'm inviting you to participate. I'm asking each of you to participate because there are parts that people cannot see of God apart from you bringing it. You have a special a special. Um, facet of God that he wants to share with the world that only you can share. So if our traditions are in front of us, that's what we see and that's what we look like. But if Jesus is in front of us, then, then it's Christ that we see and it's Christ that we look like. And then our traditions can come and look more like him. So if we could, a couple questions. Um, look at our traditions. I know it's hard to think of traditions maybe offhand. You know, I'm talking about the fair and, you know, bedtime and things like that. But, but if we really look, how, how do you do your devotions? How do you read the Bible? If we could look at those things and give those to God. So right now, if, if it's okay, how are we on time? Um, can we do this? Can we all just close our eyes, and then I want you to take your hands. I, I want you to make fists. No one's looking at you, but on your lap, just clench your hands, make your fists, if you could, please. I want you to think about your traditions as if you're holding them. Look at those traditions that you have in your life, and I want you to examine those right now. What purpose do they hold? Are they drawing you any closer to God? Are they drawing you deeper into your community? Is there a fuller self-awareness that's developing because of these traditions? Is anyone invited into those traditions, into that space? Let's just pause for a minute. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. The beauty of traditions is they can be altered and they can be changed. And we can add and adopt new ones. Are we hanging on to any too tightly? Are there any that are maybe harmful to others? Because it's hard for them to find the Father's heart of love. Because maybe these traditions are hurtful. So if you could just open your hands, keep your eyes closed, open your hands, and let's pray. Father, are there places that are so routine that the Holy Spirit has not even been invited in anymore? Are there places that we have let our traditions become so repetitious that they've lulled us to sleep? Are there things hidden that you want to reveal to us? And maybe we haven't yet. Would you do that?
Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill those places in our lives that need a fresh awakening? I pray that we would read your word with new attention, that we would see the life that you're trying to breathe into our life. We give you full reign. We allow you full access into all of it, and we open our hands and give it to you. We don't hang on to those traditions on a false faith that is maybe even fear. We open our hands to you and ask you, Lord, would you take all of it and breathe life into what should be living and let go what needs to go? Thank you, Father. We, we give you the honor and the glory and the praise. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and the way that we all get to be together unified, showing Imago Dei, the image of God. Thank you, Lord. Um, if we could have the, um, the team come up. Thank you. I am um, really encouraged that we get to share this time together and that I want to thank you for letting me share just a little something on my heart and the hidden people that, that we want to highlight sometimes and maybe challenge those traditions that we've really clung to. I know with the holidays coming up, you know, we're like, Thanksgiving, yeah, turkey, and, you know, these people come, and this is what happens. But, but maybe even in that, with the holidays coming up, maybe we can open up our hearts to invite other people in that maybe haven't been part of our table before. Maybe we can reach out in ways that we haven't traditionally done. So let's always keep his face at the forefront and nothing else. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.